What's going on, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, bringing you Cinefile Roundtable. I am your host, David. I am joined with today the birthday boy, JC. What's going on, bud? Happy birthday. We li- thank you, thank you. We live in a society where Jerry Little doesn't say it in the movie. <laughs> and Zach's one of Zack Snyder's number one fans, Mr. Elliot. What is going on, my friend? How you doing? It's your weekend. Celebrate. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Happy, happy uh, birthday to you, JC! And yeah, man, we uh, the the cut that never exists is is now out, man. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It, what, what a weekend! What a weekend! Uh, so we obviously will be discussing Zack Zack Snyder's Justice League, what we thought, uh, what we think the future will hold for that in, uh, universe. But before we get into that, let's just get into a little bit of the news. I only have uh, two news items of the week. Uh, Elliot, by your area, did you have Movie Pass a few years ago? Uh, I believe so. I've always had AMC, um, whatever. It's been so long. I've been, I don't even remember stubs, the name the stubs, of it. Yeah, stubs. Stubs, yeah, I've always had them, so I've never, like, looked at other options out there. Yeah. So I, I believe it was out here, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, JC, you, you knew about it. Yeah, I was because a big was fan so- of it. I was excited about it. Yes. Yeah. So, like, for me, I uh, the reason I ask is because MoviePass may be making a comeback. I uh, Their website is back up. And with a countdown day ending tomorrow. So I actually had Movie Pass back in 2014, kind of three years into it, into its uh to its life cycle. And I was paying like $35 a month. And it was legit. Like I was able to do a lot with that. And it wasn't restricting me to just go to AMC. So I was able to go to all my mom and pop shop theaters around here that kind of like save travel and save time or whatever. But then they decided to go $10 and then it completely destroyed the uh the market on MoviePass. I actually owned 150 shares of the MoviePass stock and I lost a lot of money. Uh so oh, I, can, I can imagine. Oh my god, I lost so much money. Oh, so what ended what ended up happening was once MoviePass had so many subscribers, uh AMC Stubbs which Ellie mentioned before was born so in turn i've I've always said like movie pass was the sacrificial lamb for us to get these <laughs> subscription services so i just wanted to touch base that it's almost may, it may be making a comeback so we'll see what happens tomorrow uh and then yeah the other news item that i wanted to talk to before we get into the snyder cut is uh the academy award nominations were this week and um uh jc and i were talking off the line elliot and then um I guess we can start off with the biggest surprise, and that's Lakeith Stanfield in supporting actor. JC, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, remember when, when we were talking, we were talking as the nominations were getting announced. That was probably the probably the biggest shocker in the last couple of years because they were being campaigned for lead, you know. And I know that sometimes they say screw that and they make their own choices, but it's like I, it, it would be different because I know like Chicago Seven, they were getting. Um, campaign all that supporting so that's mm-hmm. understandable it would have gotten like two nominees but 
Uh, Lakeith, even Lakeith went on, on, I think it was, I don't know if it was Twitter or... I think it was, a, it was Instagram. Story. It was Instagram. Yeah, he was like, he like I'm as confused as yeah, but, you know, he was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm with it. Like, who's going to get mad about Oscar nomination regardless of what category it is? Yeah. Uh, Elliot, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing that JC said in regards to, I mean, I know he's just happy to be nominated regardless, but I know he has some confusion there in regards to, I guess, who is the true lead. I always looked at him as a lead of the film, but, uh, you know, we'll see uh, if they'll get co-winners in that because yeah, I think uh, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya is definitely the winner, but oh, definitely yeah. want to give some love to Lakeith. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, a lot of interesting choices this year when it came yeah, to, the, to the nominees. I, yeah, I actually was thinking that um, I looked into it and then um, I uh, – my buddy from Variety actually released an article about it. So essentially what happened was that when you get these ballots, and usually uh, JC can confirm if I'm wrong because he's a big Oscar history buff like me, and they usually do it the reverse. If someone campaigns uh, supporting and their lead, they'll just nominate them in lead and call it a day. I think they did it with... Um, uh, the last time it happened was Kate Winslet, right, JC? Yeah, that she was campaigning the whole time for the reader for supporting, and they just chose to go with that and and like kind of basically snub her for for the revolutionary road. Yeah, and then the on the reverse and the last time it happened for supporting was Benicio, right? Like he was campaigning lead, and they threw him in supporting for the Oscars. Yeah, because of like traffic that that makes more sense with traffic because traffic really wasn't a single piece. I don't think there was a single lead in that movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the. Uh, well, what the article uh, said was pretty much what happened was that Kaluuya got enough votes in lead to get into lead, but he got more votes in supporting. So he got was placed in supporting because there is a apparently a lot of members of the Academy thinks that Kaluuya is actually the lead of the film. And to me, I, I'm with Elliot. A lot I think, of people I, think that, too. That's yeah, like, but I'm with Elliot. I think it's Lakeith. No, we're all the same on that. I just hope the thing is that I hope it doesn't take away votes, you know, because sometimes... Yeah, the splitting two, of the votes, yeah. Yeah, like, I hope that doesn't happen because Kaluuya, before that nomination, was pretty much going to run away with it. I still think he's he has the Oscar, but if he was to lose, I feel it would be because maybe they split the votes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other nomination I want to talk about, I actually wanted to give JC props on this. Um, best original song that... Uh, Yes. So it made me want to watch. Made me will watch a, a Will Ferrell movie. Ellie, I don't know if you know this. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan outside of like a few movies. Husevic, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, in the words of my boy JC, uh, that song slaps. And uh, <laughs> that I, uh, I what I like about this non is the fact that it's actually in the movie and everything else yeah. is just in the in the, credit. in the credit. So I wanted mm -hmm. to touch on that too. And then some of the sad stuff. Uh, I knew we expected it, but that Delroy snub really sucked. <laughs> um, I think Netflix made a huge mistake not campaigning him supporting, right, JC? It should, it should have been the same as the as the Trial Boys. Like that felt like an ensemble movie. Like I remember when you first told me he was going to be campaigning for lead. I'm like, why? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. After Chad, Chadwick's performance, that was my second favorite male performance of last year. But it just like to me, it should, if he had been. Uh, supporting, he might have gotten the Lakeith nomination. Yeah, I agree. And then the other shocking, big surprise was the Vintenberg uh, nomination <laughs> and director, which uh, I don't think anyone had. Uh, but yeah, I, I love another round. So, But Ellie, you say you yeah. mentioned there were some interesting choices. Oh, did anything stand out to you you wanted to touch on? 
Yeah, no, you, you just hit it on one of them, which was the the lack of love for the Five Bloods. Uh, but also, too, I'm a big score guy, so uh, Legwood not getting any love for Tenet, which is my favorite I'm score of last year, is like the most. I, I love Soul and Trent Rackner and all that stuff, but um, literally, uh, Tenet is like I listen to that like on a daily basis. I love that score, and it's like a character within itself. So I was just shocked that that got no love. Yeah, I'm with you yeah, too. It seemed like a slam dunk. And I honestly, I don't know if you guys agree, like. The nomination that they gave the Five Bloods, I feel like it's more insulting to the film because it shows yeah, that the that was the weakest part, and not even that, it shows they saw the movie, and they still didn't want to nominate Delroy or mm. Spike or the movie and anything else. So I feel like that's more of a slap in the face than the actual, you know, than getting zero nominations. But I'm with I'm with Elliot on that. The no tenant is is blasphemous. Do you have anything on your end, JC? Um, let me see. I'm thinking. Actually, the basically the the snubbing of of Jack Fisher's script, the fact that Mank had the most nominations, but you don't nominate the script, is that was very shocking to me. Like, I felt like that was a lot. That was one of the few locks, like regarding Mank's nominations. Yeah, no, and then the uh, I think the biggest takeaway before we move on is the fact that I think the only two movies that can win Best Picture now because of the nominations is Nomadland and Promising Young Woman. Because the they, editing, the editing, yeah, they, they got the editing nom, they got the director nom, they got the screenplay nom, they got an acting nom. I think it's going to be one of those two. And looking at the way the Oscars have gone, it, if Promising Young Woman wins, it kind of mirrors what they've done lately, like Parasite, Moonlight, Shape of Water. The oh, old, kind of Minari. Minari, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, Minari did really, really well. Those top three. Yeah, really, really well. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we still got a month to go. WGA is tonight. So we will find out who wins the WGA for original and adapted. So, uh, and that's all the news. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, let's talk about the Snyder Cut. Um, I You can go first, David. What? Why do I have to go first? No, no, no. Oh, because we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know, I know. So I will, uh, I got the screener on Saturday night. And um, first, another thing, um, Elliot can attest to this. I had a fucking hard ass time getting this screener <laughs> open and it was a pain in the ass. It took me almost all day on Sunday. I got a Saturday night. It took me all day on Sunday to actually get this shit open. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was a sign of things to come. But uh, but no, I tweeted right away. Like I I I said for months upon months upon months upon years on this podcast, if uh, and on social media, if it was good, I would come out. I would say I was wrong, and f- man, I was wrong. <laughs> this movie, uh, <laughs> this movie's good. It's very 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 good. I I think the movie does have certain problems, and we'll get into those problems in a little bit. But my overall thoughts, uh, before as we start here, it's uh. It is it feels very much and I told I wrote it in my review and I said it to on comments on Twitter and to friends off the line like this feels like a Lawrence of Arabia Lord of the Rings epic like an old Hollywood epic but with superheroes it's these mythological turning these mythological heroes and creating this giant scope of a movie um Kudos to Snyder I mean it sucks that he needs two rounds to always get his perfect cut like with other movies we're going to talk about a little later, but like this movie hits on every level. I thought it was outside of a few things. I thought it was an excellent film. Uh, JC, I'll hand it over to you. What are your thoughts? Um, 
Yes, uh, similar to you, remember, we have said it many times on the podcast. Um, I had a feeling that it could deliver because, like I said, I, it was just the way the fan base talked to me that just kind of made me, like, if you're about it, but I, I felt like I'm a Zack Snyder fan besides Sucker Punch. I enjoy most of his other movies to an even, extent with that. I love even them. His, you even like his Owl movie? It was, I mean, it's all right. Like, it's, it's visually, it's what you would expect a Zack Snyder animated yeah. movie to be. It's like, it's not, the, I mean, that would be his second weakest film if I had to rank him off the top of my head. But it was, like you said, it's, it has an epic feel. I loved it. Um, like, you, I ate some crow because I expected that it would be better than Justice League, but I was not expecting it to be this good. Like I, like I said in my review, I did not know he had a film like this in him, and it surpassed. Watchmen to me, yes, his best movie. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, Elliot. You were the you were the supporter here. You you knew it all <laughs> along, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that was like, there's no guarantees in life, but I knew it was going to be better than the 2017 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. cut. I mean, and, and to be fair too, and, and not defending Josh Whedon, I think if anyone would have been in that position, including Zack Snyder, it would have been an almost impossible task to take down this four hour film to a two hour movie to make it more cohesive and all that. It, it was impossible to do. So, but nonetheless. Yeah, this is a, a much better fleshed out film, and it, and it goes to show that um, you know Hollywood should learn. I mean, yeah, you, you, these are we're talking millions and millions upon dollars that these uh, producers are giving these directors to to make a film and hopefully to make a profit and all that stuff. But it goes to show that you should just let someone have their vision out there um, and have it completely finished. Because I'm looking at this film as more, and I know. Um, Dave is not the biggest fan of Men of Steel, but I'm looking at this as a trilogy uh, in regards to the connective tissue and being so locked into the DC universe, regardless of its mishaps. You know, it is a through line uh, that starts in 2013's uh, Man of Steel, continues in BVS, and, you know, there was obviously going to be continuation in the, the future Justice League movies, but just looking at this as a three-part trilogy, looking at everyone's arc from even Batman's arc from going from this wanting to kill this alien, not trusting this alien, you know, 1% chance of him destroying the world to seeing him putting the lead together and, and, you know, saying to Alfred throughout the film, having faith and just seeing a, a different side of Batman, you know, that was the biggest gripe with, uh, you know, when you have a trilogy, I think of uh, Star Wars, you know, the second film was always the darkest film, but seeing that kind of that hopeful side of Batman is something we'd never would have imagined from Zack Snyder. Right. And even, even though I wanted more of Henry Cavill, cause I'm a big Henry Cavill fan. You know, I thought he was literally perfect in the movie regarding just the, um, uh, where Clark comes from and, Seeing that hopeful side of him was always great. And then just the enhancements of the villains, Steppenwolf having a motive, uh, you know, all that stuff. He was a lot more menacing. And just the fleshing out of the characters, yep. you know, Cyborg being the heart and soul of the film. Yes. Flash, it just makes me excited for the Flash film. I was always excited just because uh, Andy Muschietti, I'm a big fan of him, but I wasn't like the biggest Ezra Miller as the fat Flash Barry Allen character. But just seeing him with his dad, even though they're going to recast the dad in, in, um, in his film next year, but just seeing those moments and seeing him having those epic moments in the Speed Force and, you know, Wonder Woman being a badass. And I think Zack Snyder, and I love Patty Jenkins, but I think Zack Snyder is able to pull out more of that the mascara you know, Amazonian warrior more so than the more lighter, more gentle Wonder Woman that we get in the Patty Jenkins film, especially 1984. But I think he just, uh, in his world, even though they might not be the most comic book accurate uh, adaptations of the character in the world that Snyder has created, these are true to the characters that he started back in 2013. So I enjoyed it, man, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no I, I, I think I think we can all agree that we enjoyed it. I think the uh, the trilogy. Compare the trilogy uh, thing that you said. I I agree 100. percent I think this feels you can disconnect everything from the 
DCEU and you just look at these three films, whether, you know, you know how I feel about Man of Steel, but like as a thorough, a through line, I think it works really well. I think one thing too, um, that helps was the fact that we've gotten standalone for Wonder Woman, Aquaman. We already kind of, we, we inadvertently now have stories behind these characters before we got to Justice League. And, um, I will say I love a lot of the, the Bruce Wayne arc that you mentioned before, because in, in he feels like such a fleshed out character compared to what we saw in justice league or whatever. But, um, the cyborg stuff, like I don't, and I said this to JC off the line. I don't like some of the approaches he went through his complaints, but seeing what he, the life is justified. It's justified. It's absolutely justified. Like he is, fantastic in the movie like jc you would agree with that right yeah because like i've seen him in truth i don't know you saw truth detective season three Ellie? i i didn't finish it that's the one with um mahershala adams and Mahershala. Yeah, like, oh no no, no, no yeah, i'm sorry like, yeah that's season two i no, i had not seen the mahershala one no no like like ray Fisher's in that and he's really mm-hmm. good in that so i knew that he had you know like when just of the justice league i'm like you know, like I didn't really was never impressed with his acting, but when I saw True Detective, I'm like, oh, he's actually a really good actor. So I was excited when about like him because I remember we all knew that we had seen in the trailers and we knew that he was supposed to play a bigger part. So like him being this good is something I kind of knew based on just like True Detective. Like as as long as he had the material to work with, because he was my least favorite part of the of the theatrical cut because he really felt like just a a sideline character, which but his his. Like basically, the expansion of his role was my favorite part of of the Snyder cut and the and and Ezra Miller's, and like getting a bigger part too. Yeah, and everyone being fleshed out, I think, helps this movie. It's 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 essentially it's world building. You're world building. You better yeah, with four hours, you better flesh everyone out. Um, did the length bother you at all, Elliot? Or you were pretty pretty okay with it all? Yeah, I mean, the, and and I've seen some of the complaints online where people were like, "It's four hours long." Like. That's like the most silliest kind of thing for me because it's like you kind of knew what you were getting into. That was like the big selling point. That was a four hour film. So I, I never understand uh, when people complained. I, now I can understand like if people saying it's four hours because it feels like it's four hours uh, in regards to the pacing, which I didn't think it felt like four hours at all. Uh, and that could have been just because I was so like invested in the story and how everything was fleshing out. But yeah, I think that the length is justified. Now, look, I'll be honest, there are. Several scenes that could have been cut. Uh, one comes to mind uh, with Aquaman and the whole yes. sniffing of the clothes. Now, I will to be to play devil's advocate, like you guys have mentioned or David had mentioned a little bit earlier regarding just the understanding that these are gods and that these are gods amongst men and that they're worshiping Aquaman in the sense that he's bringing them food and, and taking care of this island and that they, 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 they obsess over him of a certain sort, even with Man of Steel. You know, we saw that, uh, or I should say, um, uh, BVS, when those people are, you know, kind of worshiping him, looking at him like, a, you know, obviously Zack Snyder has yeah. like this, not want to say Jesus complex, but he has like this undertone of like religious, how these people worship these superheroes. Because again, they are, that's the one thing that I love. I'm always a DC fan. I love Marvel, but that's the, the separation for me is that DC, we're dealing with gods trying to humanize themselves versus, you know, superheroes in the MCU. So I, I do understand that scene, but it could have been cut as well as just like other scenes that just didn't necessarily have to be there. But yeah, the four-hour cut to me didn't feel like four hours at all. Yeah, no, and before we get to J, uh, hand it over to JC, uh, another thing that I wanted to add with our, regarding the four-hour four cut is that every week I talk to people, uh, friends and whatnot, that are literally binging shows 
that are the same exact type of content with for like mm-hmm. five hours or six right, hours. Right. Well, what like it, it shows how the mi- the mind works in such mis- weird ways sometimes that you're mm-hmm. going to complain mm-hmm. about this, but you're doing literally the same thing. <laughs> Let's say when Stranger Things comes out, I know people that right. will sit through we'll every episode whole- of Stranger <laughs> Things. One day. Like one day. And I'm like, you can sit there and watch a four hour movie. Now I will question what time you choose to watch this four hour movie. Like I, yeah. if you're starting like a buddy of mine, Oh, Ryan, he's been on the, on the show and he's a host of the regular Real Chronicles podcast. He started watching this movie at 9 PM last night. <laughs> I ain't about that life because I would probably lose steam by the end of it. Um, moving on to the nightmare sequence at the end of the movie, um, which kind of go starts getting into some of like, certain issues i may have with it uh overall in that nightmare sequence jc what are your thoughts i love that we finally got to see because you know, he he hinted at it so much in bvs but i was a little let down that i was i was expecting us to see like a little bit of the battle you know you had joe come back cut his hair in his style you know, like i'm a big death show fan so i was that was part of the, when i found that he was going to be coming back and, and shooting new scenes for that I basically, you know, I got set up, okay, we're going to get some type of battle sequence. So, like, I love the look of it. And if we had gone a sequel or maybe we do, who knows? I'm all for it because I like that whole, that whole nightmare world. This looks really cool, but I felt like that was just the easiest way to bring Jared Leto in. And he was and great. Like, and he was great, though. Yeah. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Elliot? Yeah, no, I think this was yet again, uh, like JC said, this was in conne- connection to BVS, alluding to uh, you know the, the death of Robin, and, and again just the the unstable, un uh, you know uncomfortable feeling between these two you know bigger than life characters coming together for the first time. Which I found out the other day that they weren't even on set the yeah. same day; they literally yeah, had to shoot it two separate days. Out. Yeah, yeah, Ezra uh, so yeah, Ezra, no, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Ezra Miller is actually on set for Fantastic Beasts, mm-hmm. and then uh, which explains why he doesn't say a word and yeah. kind of like stare. Yeah, but and then again, this kind of goes to show the lengths that Zack Snyder is willing to go to, you know, get his vision out there that he's willing to just, you know, hey, we don't got actors on the same day, we got actors on, on in the UK and in another country, but nonetheless, as far as that scene goes, yeah, like Jason said, I, I would have loved that scene, a continuation of that, and obviously that would have been, you know, I think Zack Snyder for for video game fans out there was going the injustice route and yes, having these yes. villains and superheroes working together to take on Superman and all and Dark Side and all that stuff. But yeah, I thought the the obviously the, the scene still there is, you know, the Joker in the conversation. Yeah, no, more I, so I anything. And and just like the 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 position of the camera, how it's out of focus, how it's unstable, very similar to the Joker's character, uh, and how does that kind of portray that? And obviously, hearing Batman's, you know, drop an f bomb was uh was something that uh, I was looking forward to hearing. And, and and just again, just a tit for tat, like who's gonna bend first, who's gonna break first? You know, I'm gonna hit you with you know your mom's dad, your 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 dad's dad, your adopted son, and then obviously you know the Batman rounds. knows yeah the retro, which is the one <laughs> line I was just like oh, I don't know if I needed that, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, Batman coming right back at him about Harley Quinn, knowing how important she is uh, to him. So I thought the the dialogue uh, was was pretty awesome. And, and I guess apparently there is uh, the the justice, like the black and white version of it, which I think the the, the line uh, Zack Snyder says that, that society line will be in that version of the film. So In- interesting choice. It will make its way. Yeah. And I guess that was Jared Leto's uh, um, uh, ad libbing or kind of added that line in there for improv. Nice. Um, I did want to touch on like when I was on your channel uh, back in February, Elliot, we talked about uh, you don't have to be in the movie long to make an impact. 
we talked about mm-hmm. Joker right mm-hmm. now, and I think someone that does make a great impact in I would say maybe five to six minutes of total screen time is Darkseid. I mean, he looks mm-hmm. he looks incredible. And I will say one of my favorite moments in the movie is when we see his origin. Mm-hmm. I think that battle is one of the best DCU battles we've gotten, along with the Themyscira battle, which looks so much better here than it does yeah. in, jo- in in Just Justice League. Uh, Doth on Darkseid. Hey man, he he's he's the you know in in the Marvel terms he's the Thanos right? Yeah. Uh, if not more uh, menacing in some cases because he doesn't have like a a, a you know a, a soft side to him per se. Uh, but no, I thought it was great, man. Um, again, it just makes me a little uh, upset that we you know if we don't get to see the continuation that it's so that makes me feel so bad because again it sets the stage for this uh, epic moment between the Justice League and and him going toe to toe, but. Yeah, I thought that the use of the character was great, and, and one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie is the um, the nightmare scene or the the vision that uh, Cyborg has, and seeing the death of Diana, seeing yes. the death of Aquaman, seeing the turning of the anti life equation being used on Superman, just the visuals and the score by Junkie XL regarding whenever the villains, uh, which we'll talk about, Stephen Wolf, which I thought he was yes. ten times more better. Uh, but no, I thought Dark Side was awesome. I thought uh, Ray uh, Porter's voice was like perfect for the role. Um, I love how in in Zach's versions, how badass the gods were. Like literally, I don't even know why the other uh, humans, the other protectors of Earth were there because, you know, Zeus and, and Ares and all them easily could have took out Darkseid yes. by themselves, <laughs> which they did essentially. And they were able to take the mother boxes out pretty easily. But yeah, like you said, that was that to me, that's the whole uh, Lord of the Rings epic nature yes. to this film was a scene like that. It, it felt like I was watching. Peter Jackson's, you know, uh, Return of the King epic battle scene. It was just, uh, I could have had a whole film around that. So that was awesome. <laughs> JC, what about you? I mean, yeah, Helen nailed it perfectly. Like, I, you have warned me that he wasn't in it much. So, like, I was already prepared by the time I saw that. Because, no, I thought, I knew he wasn't going to be in it too much. But I thought maybe, like, 15 minutes. So, you know, like, I was okay. The design looks dope. I would love to see, like, a sequel where it's just, like, him being the villain. And basically, like you said, the 300 inspired stuff was like I from the teaser they dropped the same day. I think I think the final trailer dropped the the day the mo- the day I saw. I think Elliot and I saw the movie was the day that yeah, final like, teaser. Was like dropped. I had I had glimpses of so when you brought it up in our conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, like you could tell from the trailer that was just straight the Gerard Butler clone. Like, like similar to you guys both said it. Like he, well, I don't think that Snyder captures Wonder Woman better. I do think that he captures Amazonians better than than Pat, Patty Jenkins. Did. Like I felt like the battle in Themyscira was basically like a three hundred. That was all. They brought me flashbacks to three hundred. Yeah. Like that scene was so much better in this version. It's expanded. We we get to see how some of the some of the Amazonians stayed behind to for for Wonder Woman's mother to basically escape, which we didn't really see in, in the two in the theatrical cut. Yep. No, and then uh, moving on to who Ellie mentioned before, Steppenwolf. I mean, I thought Steppenwolf was actually really well used here. I think there's motives, there's method behind his madness now. He's not just the fill-in-the-blank fill in Batman 66 hero villain of the week. I think there's motive behind him. And um, I will say, I'm glad Diana uh, probably saw Avengers Infinity War because she went for the head. Uh, th- yes, she did. Yes, thought, she did. <laughs> thought, thought on Steppenwolf, Elliot. Yeah, no, I, I, again, um, your film, you know, in superhero world or action hero uh, world, you know, your film is just as good as, you know, good as, you know, yeah. 
and, and having him fleshed out and uh, getting his motives just made him so much more understanding versus, like you said, in 2017's version, he was just like, mother, mother. He was just obsessed with the mother box. And it's just like, why? You know, do you have a mother issue? Were you <laughs> yeah, that was it, a weird but, thing to call that. Call the boxes. Yeah, it's just like, what's going on there? So, yeah, this one, understanding that he portrayed Darkseid because, uh, you know, just kind of diving into the comics, he is, you know, he's the, which is weird, he's the uncle of Darkseid. But knowing that he kind of went for the throne and, and wanted to kind of have it for his own and thought it was his birthright. Right. And, and kind of understanding that, that he's uh, out for, um, you know, he wants to feel valued. He wants to feel worth. So he has this 50,000 world debt that he has to accomplish. But in doing so, you know, he comes across the anti-life equation, which obviously kind of gives him another little one up for his uh, his nephew there. But, yeah, I thought it was he was uh, perfectly used in this film and, and very, very menacing. Like that that scene, like you just had mentioned with the um, Themyscira him just tossing those horses around, slicing the Amazonians in half, and just he's on a mission. He's, you know, a, a force of nature. So I thought that Stephen Wolf, uh, and also when he went against the league, I mean, it wasn't, to me, that 2017 version of the Stephen Wolf was a joke. It, it just wasn't even, <laughs> like, he just was like a Power Rangers villain to me. But Didn't the, uh, Elliot, in 20, because I haven't seen 2017 in a few months. I watched it last year. The uh, Doesn't he, doesn't, don't they take him out because he's, uh, fearful of the parademons or something like that mm -hmm. well, he, he was yeah the whole and that's what josh set it up in the very opening of the film with batman that they sniff fear and i think he was fearful of the justice league at that point so the parademons scooped him up and took him back to uh uh new genesis so yeah it was stupid i, I much prefer this version of them taking him out and chopping his, and his fate his, yeah his fate was way better this time yeah. oh, and then yeah. when, when, one hundred percent, and yeah, like I said, I think steps much more. <laughs> steps on, yeah, just like waste of time, waste of space. But yeah. now I just thought that Stephen Wolf was just yeah, much more fleshed out, much more uh, menacing, had a purpose, had a goal, and and literally was a, 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 a you know a good villain for the lead to take on before they get to the really big bad in uh, Dark Side. Agreed, JC, you agree as well? Yeah, Elliot nailed it with the end because like in the first and the theatrical cut, basically made it seem like he's the big bad. Same way we did with Loki and the Avengers until we found out that he was basically like there was like there was a middle he was like the beginner and there was a middleman and there's Dark Side and Thanos. So it was like like that. He's I like the design is way better, obviously, and I do think he's more fleshed out. I still I don't love like his performance the way you guys did, but he is obviously better portrayed here than he was in the in the theatrical. Yeah, I agree. And then one last thing before we get to some of the cons, um, that Junkie XL score is phenomenal. I uh, it's a four hour score on on Apple Music, so he knocked it out of the park on the score. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this because I love Danny Elfman, but this it's leaps and bounds better than Danny Elfman's score. Uh, Elliot, do you agree on the score? Yeah, and there's yeah. I'll get to when we get to the negative. There is like one particular uh, thing that that was done with the score. I wasn't a fan of, but yeah, okay. nor, like just normally speaking, yeah. I mean, Junkie XL is is he's a beast, man. One of my favorites is from Mad Max Fury Road, oh, yeah, and obviously same here. his collaboration, co collaboration with Hans Zimmer and, and and BVS stuff. He's he's great, man. So yeah, I really enjoyed the score. It really brought that epic nature to the film. And oh, there's this one point in the film where um, with uh, Barry Allen and the Speed Force at the end of the movie, just that. That score was so awesome of him going to Speed Force and, and, and reversing time and changing the his the past and the future and all that stuff. I thought the score was really uh, a great touch to the film. Yeah, JC thoughts on the score? Same. It had, it gave it that epic feel that the movie deserved. Like basically for with Danny Elfman, like you know we all love and we grew up with Batman '89, his work with Tim Burton. But like for what Whedon did, I feel that score kind of worked 
Gotcha. It feels, you know, the score doesn't feel like a, what you would what you would hear in a in a Zack Snyder movie, but Junkie XL fit way better into the Snyder style. Yeah, and I will. And, I, oh, go ahead, Elias. Sorry. No, let's say to what JC just said. I think what Whedon did uh, with his score, it felt like uh, for Justice League Unlimited, like the animated show. It felt like I was watching like an animated, and especially with Batman '89 score coming in and, and the old uh, Superman score. So I thought that he was paying homage more to just like the the history of Justice League versus like again, Junkie XL was like taking a little bit of that, but also just making it more fit within Zack Snyder's epic nature of the storytelling. Yeah, I agree. And I will say this. Um, I. I was looking back at my review of, of 2017. I, I didn't give it a good review. I, I think I gave it like two or two and a half or whatever. But um, I will say I'm glad that we have, if for those that like campy Justice League, you have your version. And then for ones that want more authenticity to like a dark epic, we have the Snyder Cut. So they are two completely <laughs> different movies. I would say, like looking at it, I would say what's in the Whedon Cut that is in the Snyder Cut I would say, well, like less than 35, 40 minutes of the original yeah. cut is in this movie. So you're getting a completely different movie. Now, um, yeah, like yeah, go ahead, JC. No, like it's to a point that if I feel like if Zack Snyder was to see that version, he would try to have his name taken out of it for yeah. any future yeah. releases. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, there's nothing. There's pretty much nothing there. Like, yeah. it, like when you see this, it's like it's like so much change. Yeah, no, you're right. And um, mm. the uh, the four hour cut, I think. Before we get to our cons, as we're transitioning here, I think something that anyone that is a fan of the movie need would probably agree with my point on this. The, this worked out as best as possible for Zach because there is zero chance a studio would have released this four-hour cut in theaters. And then we would have gotten into another BVS situation where it would be feel very it felt chop it would feel choppy and missing pieces so i think this actually worked out in the best situation for zach because i don't think like i mentioned yeah there's no way box office wise that a stew would release a four-hour cut ellie do you agree with that or do you have uh, different sentiments there yeah it's like you said it is a very you know the same best case scenario because obviously you know this all kind of played out because of a tragedy to the to the family so obviously the understanding yeah that you know and in the sense of it kind of worked out in regards to how the rollout was, how it is was able to go on a streaming platform, which I don't know in another world, in another multiverse, if things would have played out differently, if Zach would have completed the film and they would have given him that two hour mandate, then it probably would have ended up being a BVS situation where we got a, we would have gotten like an ultimate cut, like a Blu-ray edition of the yeah. film a year yep. or two later, if anything. But in regards to what you said, I don't think there's a day in hell that the studios would have given him a four hour film to be released in the theaters because of obviously what happened with BBS, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, the fact that Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman on the screen at the same time didn't make a billion dollars, regardless of how I feel about Zack Snyder or, or even more deeper Zack Snyder fans at the end of the day, it is a business. So they, you get, you, if you can't make a billion dollars off of the Trinity uh, and you know, then that would have never happened as yeah. far as a four hour film at, in the theaters. And that's kind of, and I'll get into that. That's a big con, a big issue that I've been having with like the, this, the discourse on social media over the last few days regarding like restore the Snyderverse and all that stuff. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but like in terms of like cons for the movies, I, uh, I, I'm a broken record with this, Elliot. We've spoken about it here. I, while the film is, lighter in tone i wish zach would have added that to his presentation 
I it's it. I'm not asking for it to be as bright and colorful as Patty Jenkins or a mm-hmm. Whedon or hell a Marvel movie, but there mm-hmm. are certain scenes that you're just like just add a little bit of color here. We would have it would have popped a little bit more for me. Um, another issue that I have is the. Um, I understand you shooting for an IMAX screen, but when you're not going to, going to release this movie on IMAX, the aspect ratio, it didn't take me out, but it took me a while to actually just get accustomed to the fact that we're getting a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Really didn't hit hit me well. And kind of something I think you kind of hinted at, there could have been at least like 30 minutes cut from the movie. I could have seen a nice, tighter three-and-a-half-hour movie here. Uh, Elliot, what are some of your cons? Uh, yeah, to that point with the color paletting, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, Zach, for whatever reason, yeah, he loves the more darker tones, and I guess it just kind of emphasizes the, the, the nature of yeah. what's going on of the, of the movie, but in regards to that look, the aesthetic, I was not a fan of Aquaman's subplot at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like the way Atlantis looks, I don't like Volko, I don't like Mera, and it has nothing to do with Amber Heard outside of, you know, movies. I thought that everything involving, uh, 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 Aquaman was just, like, poorly executed in my opinion um as well as just the lack of lois and uh martha kent like i i i understand what the characters represented in regarding uh grief and being close to superman and you know the little subplot of her being pregnant and, and what that alludes to uh which was mo- a much different route in regards to the sequels of justice league which would have been revealed to be batman's kid which would have been a whole thing within itself but yeah i just feel like amy adams was just kind of Menandering through the film, and she was just again. I understand she was in a grief process, but I, I would have loved to seen what eventually you know they were kind of alluding to her and getting back to the world and her going back to being the world's greatest journalist. So I thought they were kind of yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna I was gonna follow up with the Amy Adams comment you mentioned and the mm-hmm. fact that they already kind of hinted that she's pregnant and they pretty mm-hmm. much don't even mention it at all. I was like, okay, at least a little tease of what's you know her possibly yeah, telling Clark. It was weird. I mean, and there is a line close to the end of the film where Batman tells Clark, you know, congratulations, by the way, alluding to, again, that, you know, the the, the kid's on its way, I guess. Uh, Jonathan Kent, who's uh, even more powerful than Superman in the comics. So there's a little nod there. But, yeah, I thought they were, like, kind of undermutilized. And um, in regards to Junkie XL score, this is, like, a nitpick thing. Whenever Wonder Woman was on screen, they had, like, this weird, like, like, it was just, like... <laughs> I don't know why that was a choice and they just didn't use Hans Zimmer's epic score that they have for Wonder Woman. But like whenever she was on screen, that like got kind of annoying. Uh, and then again, I'm a big uh, Henry Cavill fan. So I just thought that Superman, again, understanding the storyline, they had to bring him back. He had to rediscover himself. He got the black suit. All that stuff was cool. But I wish that we would have gotten more of Superman because I thought that he was literally just like perfect in the film regarding just the lines, him rediscovering himself, the moment when he gets his uh, suit and the, uh, and the, um, Kryptonian ship, him taking flight, and all the visuals were really cool with Superman. So I wish we would have got a little bit more of that character. And then again, like you talked about, there there could have been a lot more of the film that could have probably been trimmed up, sped up. Like literally watching Batman on a horse for you know five minutes was uh, a little bit unnecessary. We talked about the Aquaman scene a little bit earlier regarding the, the, the song that felt like it was 10 minutes long. So definitely some things that could have been trimmed up. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, uh... JC and I spoke about this off the line. It's kind of like Al Pacino in Heat when he's like, give me all you got! Give me all you got! Snyder pretty much laid <laughs> everything on the table. He's like, if I'm going out, I'm giving you every piece of footage I have. Uh, JC, so- <laughs> That's what he said. I don't know. That's basically what he said when people were in... Because, you know, like I said, I love how he presents himself. So, 
like I've I've always loved how he talks in interviews. He's a great talker and he's very passionate. And he said it when they were asking him like why he left it off with a cliffhanger ending. He said the fans asked for my version, and so mm-hmm. I gave him that because if this had came out in 2017, it would have obviously set up for the two sequels we were supposed to get if things had been better. And yeah. basically, like my negative is the same as Elia. Like, had we gotten this version in 2017, we probably would have been like maybe two hours and a half. That's the most I think it would have gone. Basically, if I would have been okay with Atlanta stuff, but seeing what everything that James Wan did is just like. It just didn't do it for me. Like I'm, I've seen this world be so realized beautifully that basically what we got here wasn't good. And then the fact that Amber Heard, no, no, I don't care about the personal stuff. I can separate the two, but her choice of accents and Aquaman and, and the theatrical because she has an American accent, and this one for some reason she has a British. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I was like, wait a minute, did I miss <laughs> something in Aquaman? Like, do I have I'm to rewatch like, this again? Exactly. So it's like it's like seeing this voice now. This and um, similar to earlier, like Amy Adams and 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 Bang Lane are very talented, and I wish they would have done more with them. Because really, until back, until came back, it's like they were just mopey and being sad. Which I get it; that was the characters. But it was like you have one of the greatest actors of her generation, Amy Adams. Like I, you should give her more to do. Like yeah. you incorporate her somewhat. And basically, with the pregnancy test, like they didn't have to say it because. He lingered on that perfect test for how many that we kind of got the point. Yeah. And the last one basically is um with the cameo. Remember, we were to thanks to WandaVision, we know to like not get too hyped up with these the these trolling of a big cameo. We knew that 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 Martian Manhunter was gonna come here, was gonna be in it, and it just didn't work for me because I know that was the big cameo. But I'm like that, like I think like you mentioned in your review, you didn't like the design of the. I'm like I wasn't too big on it either, and it just feels like it was feels like it was feel like a pointless cameo at this point. Yeah, it's more like kind of what he mentioned before, like Zach just putting everything on the table. He's like, you yeah, because like gonna give you Martian. if you have this character, why didn't you have them? Like, what was he when they were fighting? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could have <laughs> you included him in your movie. You should have just had him help yeah. them. Would have been you know, some interest because he's connected to the the lanterns, right? I'm not too... uh, he's like a, in the sense of like he's a a guardian of a sense and he's sent to earth to kind of you know uh, monitor the situation if things escalate you know he steps in which again just to JC's point I don't know why he didn't step in and help out with the world literally ended yeah. uh, so it would have been pointless uh, and like yeah I did not I feel like he was shoehorned in like that that's a Zack Snyder thing with even Man of Steel of certain characters not fully fleshing out i mean jimmy olsen being and killed in bvs like he sometimes and you know hints at barbara gordon being in the universe he sometimes throws a lot at his films easter eggs are not to the comics but they have no like purpose sometimes which i thought martian manhunter was pointless in his yeah film. and honestly if you wanted to add some texture and layers to martian or like some some motive at the end when he's talking to bruce wayne he could have been like you know hey and i I'm going to be back so we can talk about that ring you've been holding on to for all this time, mm. which could connect to the lantern, something along those lines. But it like like Elliot, like you, Elliot and JC said, it felt very um, uh, forced. Shoehorn. Yeah, shoehorn. Yeah. yeah, it was shoehorning. Yeah. So Definitely. I do want to talk about the fucking discourse that's been going on because it mm. uh, it I I've said this many, many times for other movies and the pres- the prisoner of the moment idea that goes on and you know we are we live now in a moment in a world that reacts on everything in the moment i 
like this movie very much. I think JC likes it very much too, and I know you'd love it as well. I I think this movie right now I need multiple rewatches. It'll probably fall into like to me maybe like one of my top fifteen favorite comic book films of all time. This movie is not better than The Dark Knight, <laughs> and I the the discourse that's going on with that this is a better movie than The Dark Knight is just like driving me insane. Um, the restore the Snyderverse thing, and I want to get your touch because I I want to get your thoughts on it, Elliot, because you're bigger on this whole Snyderverse thing than myself and I uh, maybe JC. Like you nailed something that I wanted to touch on that no one seems to be talking about. Like there's such a fan uh, of restore the Snyderverse, you know, love going on on Twitter, on social media, so on and so forth. Where was this love at the box office? The reason that there this whole thing started from the first place is because Man of Steel, your Superman movie, only made six hundred and sixty-eight million dollars at the box office, and then, like you mentioned before, your BVS movie, which cost three hundred million, only made eight hundred and seventy-three. It couldn't even cross, like you said, with the Trinity, you couldn't even cross a billion dollars. The reason that. Warner Brothers lost faith in Snyder had nothing to do with Snyder. It had to do with his fans that didn't come support Snyder. So it's like you, the Snyder, the Snyder stands play this hypocrisy game right now that you're blaming Warner. You're blaming the studio. Warner's would have never doubted Snyder if you guys paid to see his movies from the get go. Like, do you see where I'm coming from, Elliot? Because I know you're like, I know we've had this, this a great debate on like you know Snyder as a whole or whatever. Do do you see where I'm coming from here? Yeah, no, 100%, man. Snyder is a, uh, you know, uh, a particular uh, polarizing director. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not for everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, which doesn't, you know, which doesn't help the box office because, you know, you have a Russo brothers, you have, you know, people from the D, from the MC, the MCU, James Gunn, that people want to, you know, they have fun with their films and they can, they're kind of more accessible more so than what, you know, Zack Snyder can be at points. But yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the, on the coffin, man, and on the head in regards to, I think Zack Snyder's fans, like really deep love, like anything he does is perfect fans. Mm-hmm. They're, a, a, I don't want to say a small group, but they're a small group of people that have a big voice. The, vo- uh, they have the a big, vocal, vocal minority, you'd call exactly. it? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, they, they have a huge presence online. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, I mean, all the social media platforms, they, they dominate the conversation. They, yeah. they dominate the hashtags. Some people are probably not even seen the Zack Snyder's uh, cut have just hashtag just because, you know, we live in a so- <laughs> we live in a society <laughs> where people want to hop on uh, trends and hop <laughs> on things and they just hashtag not even knowing what it really means. So there's a little bit of that. But in regards to the Snyderverse, restoring the Snyderverse, if I'm Warner Brothers, I'm, if I'm Walter Hamada, uh, and knowing how for five years there has been a vocal minority of people that have bombarded this film to be made to what it is today, I don't want another five years of that. So if I'm Walter Hamada, I'm looking at HBO Max, I'm looking at Zack Snyder and saying, hey, we want to sell, we want to be Disney Plus, we want to be Netflix, we're going to give you a blank check and you can do your Snyderverse on HBO Max. I like that. I like I'm going to allow James Wan, Patty Jenkins, uh, uh, David F. Sandberg, and whoever the new content creators are for HBO or for DC to do their movies. And then the Snyderverse fans have their HBO Max. Subscribe to HBO Max, you're going to get Zack Snyder's content. Go to our film, support Batman, uh, Matt Reeves trilogy, and separate worlds, and you get the best of both worlds. So, I, if I'm Walter Mata, I'm making that call. Yep, I love that. I love that idea. JC, thoughts? Um, when it comes to the start of it, it's basically like if we get more sequels, I'm all for it because I loved everything that we got. And but if it doesn't, 
I'm okay with it because I'm I will always be behind the director's visions and like regardless of anything I might have said about the quality of the movie, I was just happy that Snack Side was gonna get to see his vision realized. So it, like if this is all we got, he went out with a bang. But like you said, it could maybe crack my top fifteen favorite comic book movies of all time, maybe even top ten. I loved it. I really, really love this movie. And um Elliot, HBO Max would be a perfect home to, had you know Autumn not you know done had not passed away, what we would have gotten in twenty seventeen would have been maybe a two hour, two hour and a half cut. And it would have been the same situation with BBS. We would have got like a Blu-ray edition, which would have been part of the four-hour cut, which would have been received the best. So basically, like I feel like with HBO Max, if we was if they were to consider the Snyderverse and HBO Max, it would work because the fact that it's streaming, he will have like full control to make his three-hour movies. Because any if we were to somehow get the two sequels that we were promised, if they're not about three three hours each or like two hours and a half to three hours each. They won't be successful. Yeah, we're gonna you know? be in the same situation again. Yeah, it's science. So it's like the only way that I would like the Snyderverse to continue would be in H- as an HBO property. Because if we get the sequels in theaters, it's gonna be the same shit again. Or and basically, or JC and uh, to piggyback on Elliot, if we do get it, maybe it's not movies. Maybe our two. A, a series we get a justice league series where we get two giant two giant event story seasons to cap up the story okay. like an eight episode arc of each season where we finish up the story you know we have big celebs making tv shows all the time though so it wouldn't it wouldn't be oh, yeah, out, like, out of the realm that that entourage joke about how oh you never go back to doing tv that joke is outdated because tv is where it's at for a lot of big like look yeah. at nicole kim she's basically resurrected her whole career just doing all these shows she's done doing she did big little lies yeah she's doing nine perfect strangers on hulu and she has like three other mini series coming out so tv was where is that now yeah no i i agree and then i just have one last question before we move on to our director's cuts uh elliot is this joker batman scene the greatest scene between joker and batman on on film that i've been seeing all over social media the last few days no, because there's no uh, there's no history on screen of those yep. two characters. So there's not even, a, um, you know, Batman doesn't even have a solo film in this universe, nor does, you know, Joker was in a suicide film as a secondary character. So it just it doesn't even hold the same weight as a, a Heath Ledger and, and you know, um, Christian Bell sharing scenes. But in regards to, again, it is cool fanfare uh, to see yeah, them on great. screen, uh, not even on screen because they didn't share screen, but just seeing that interaction of those two characters and, and understanding that, you know, Ben Affleck and Jared Leto, I think, did a good job of, even though we've never seen any of this stuff, they the exposition, the conversation kind of sets the scene in your head. Uh, you can kind of see the tension, see the history in the words and the the facial expressions, the the hatred, the, the restraint that they had to kind of not go each other's throats. So I think that they did a good job within that three to four minute sequence of them interacting but again yeah it's not it doesn't hold a candle to uh you know what we've seen with Heath Ledger and and, and Batman that's that's history there there's a whole film there there's more scenes within that context so yeah this is not close but again you know we live in a moment we live in a society yes yes, yes, where people obviously live in 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 the moment and you know they'll make it's the greatest thing now and then you know months from now they'll realize oh (laughs) it's it's good yeah out there yeah yeah, it's like the best flavor of ice cream, and you're like, wait a minute, you know, yeah. vanilla is not just the only good flavor. There's a lot of other good flavors out there. Um, so yeah, that's a great discussion on Justice League. I'm glad that we were able to actually touch base on it and 
for the most part, agree on mostly everything. You know, this is a it was a great film. I actually can't wait to see the 4K edition of it because I, I suspect the 4K edition will or I'll get rid of that 4-3 aspect ratio or at least give you options I'm to. Curious. You can go ahead, I'm curious about the black and white. No, I'm curious about the black and white one because I mean, I'm a wild watch and I'm a, I'm planning on doing my second watch of Justice League probably this week, but I'm excited for the black mm-hmm. and white one because it's supposed to have like like a few scenes that. And they didn't make the cut. Like I think this, we're gonna get an, an alternative Joker scene, which would be cool. But remember, all the images that we got released before we saw before we saw the final trailer were different stuff. Like I thought he was gonna be like in a hole or something when he we had the whole white stuff without the SWAT thing, and he would. Mm-hmm. So like I know there's more material that he probably shot with Joker that we didn't get. So if the alternative version shows that and shows him saying we live in a society, which I think he's. They said that will be included in that version. I'm I'm excited to see that the black the black and thing the black yeah. and white. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I just need to set myself four hours and then and then I'll be good. I'll be good to go. Hey, we bench we bench you you tend to watch like four movies a day, so I think you could do four hours again. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I uh, I just want to pay attention because I, I watch movies during work hours and I just like have it as yeah. background noise. So it's a little bit different. It at three, you start at three o'clock. Oh yeah. All right. So that wraps up that discussion. So let's just finish up talking director's cut. So this uh, idea of the Snyder cut, which I think every director's cut from now on should just be called the the, the their Snyder cut, um, <laughs> gave gave me the idea of like let's look at director's cut as a whole and talk about like some of our favorite director's cuts. I before we get into to our best i did want to touch i did want to mention that my worst director's cut and i want to see if you guys agree is uh the the og star wars trilogy with all that shit that lucas did that 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 shit ain't good for me so i actually put that as one of my worst director's cuts uh do you have anything in mind jc as like something that's really that made the movie worse what about you ellie do you have anything uh, in making my list, I, I I guess I've never really seen too many director's cuts. Uh, but I, it was um I do have uh the Star Wars is one that comes to mind that just unnecessary uh McClunky moments in in the film that felt uh didn't need to be there. But yeah, 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 for sure. All right, so let's get into it. I will uh I'm gonna run through my top. I'll do my ten through two, and then uh, mm. I'll hand it over to you, Elliot. So, uh, some honorable mentions. Oh, I'm I'm back, guys. All right, cool, cool. Uh, so I'm just gonna run was... through. Go. What do you say, JC? No, no. What you said? Well, I was. I think because my wife, I was acting up. Oh no, worries. So we we're just talking about worst. Like, what would you consider the worst uh, director's cut? And both Ellie and I would probably say Star Wars. Oh, the like the ones that he he like he made um Han Solo shoot first. Yeah, all like the that? all the Lucas edits. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was definitely because that wasn't needed. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. And then um, I don't, I don't, ha- I saw, I posted a question on social media this week, and I got a lot of aliens. I, I don't think I didn't put it on my list because aliens is the director's cut is one minute shorter. It doesn't really add anything it just removes one minute of footage so i don't think the director's come made it any better so that's why it doesn't hit my list but going through going to some honorable mentions i have brazil touch of evil and then uh my number 10 is dr sleep it adds about 40 minutes of content which develops uh danny's character a lot more 
and him dealing with his alcoholism and it kind of makes the film even stronger than it already is um my my number nine i i throw jc some props on this one because he recommended me watching it because i oh uh, yes yeah so i hate kingdom of heaven but uh he told me the director's cut is completely different and man he was right uh this director's cut adds more depth into Orlando Bloom's character and also has a subplot of e- Ava Green's son who becomes king and then there is he has he has leprosy, right, JC? Yeah, so he, I'll get to it when I mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a subplot there that is very emotional that I'm shocked does not make the movie. Uh number eight for me is we talked about it before, Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. Uh it is it feels like you, all the pu- the pieces of the puzzle that were missing, Snyder put in, released his ultimate cut, and I think it's probably in in my top three, four favorite Snyder films because of how complete of a film and the arcs that, that are told throughout the story. Some some that some things that are so small that I really enjoy from this from the ultimate edition is uh, Clark Kent being a reporter in Gotham, just investigating Gotham, and Jimmy getting a name. Yep. So I've really dug that aspect of it. It's my number, uh, my number seven is Once Upon a Time in America, uh, Sergio Leone's final film. The original cut is about two hours long. The his director's cut is four hours and I think fifteen minutes, and it. It does what the Snyder Cut does. It develops these characters. It makes you hate, love these characters. And I don't understand why. It, for Leon, it's, uh, someone of Leon's stature at the time, they said, "No, nah, you're gonna, we're gonna cut this movie to two hours." Uh, my number six is Superman Two: The Donner Cut. Uh, so you just saw it, JC, recently. Elliot, have you seen The yeah. Donner Cut? No, it's still on my watch list, man. I've yet to see it. it. JC, you can attest. You recently saw it. It is a completely different film, right? Yeah, like it adds a lot of stuff better. Like it even makes um, it makes Clark sleep with Lois before he loses his powers. Because after he loses his powers, it, it, it made more sense the way the Donna cut we cut it some scenes. Yeah, and it establishes their relationship a lot better than than the, the yeah, theatrical exactly. cut. Um, my number five, Snyder's back on the list again. So I have Watchmen. <laughs> um. And I look at the director's cut. I, uh, Elliot, have you seen the ultimate cut of Watchmen? Yeah, I think I've seen all the versions. The one where they have like the, the animated, um, animated shit, right? thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I hate so, that shit. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like that one. The director's cut I is what I'm going it. for. That I, I tend to skip that director, that director's cut. But um, I mean that ultimate edition. But the director's cut, I think I, Watchmen is one of my favorite books I've ever read. Alan Moore's a genius, and I think. Snyder is able to incorporate that book in a way that many directors were not able to. So I love the the and the fact that he gives us one of the best performances in a comic book film with uh, Jackie O'Reilly as Rorschach. It's 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 something that should be seen. I still think the uh, the Watchmen TV show is a masterpiece, but this is really really great work. Uh, my number four is Zack Snyder's Justice League, and you can uh, go back and listen to why we loved Zack Snyder's Justice League, but just where it started and where we got, the fact that he was able to accomplish what he accomplished, he deserves to be on this list. My number three, or probably Shock JC, Apocalypse Now Redux. Yeah, I'm okay as long as I make the top five. Yeah, yeah. Um, the additions that Coppola made, and I think the 2019, was it the 19? Yeah, in 2019, it was a 4K yeah. version. That 
for the 40th anniversary. Yep, that's the cut that works. Redux is great, but I think the final cut in 2019, that's the perfect version of this movie. One, yeah, yeah it, it, I think it cuts like 20 minutes, but it's still over three hours long. Uh, and then my number two is Blade Runner, Blade Runner, the final cut. I Blade Runner is one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. And the final cut is the perfect example of like what happens when you give a director his vision and to do what he wants to do. Uh, JC, take it away. What's your 10 through two? Okay. Um. Well, number 10 is Kingdom of Heaven. Everything you pointed out. And it's like the best comparison I could make now that has been released is the Snyder cut. Where we get 45 minutes added, and it does so much for character motivations that makes you, and so many little subplots, it, it, it helps a lot. Like, to me, like the epic sort of sandal genre is like one of the few movies that is justified to be three hours long. You know, like we expect those to be epics that have a, a long running time. Like, I don't think those, those are the type of movies that should be two hours. Uh, my number nine is um, James Cameron's The Abyss. Like, with everything that he did be- between Titanic and um, Avatar, like like his deep diving and stuff like that, like he filmed a lot of a lot of water material. Like he's very passionate about like marine biologists and stuff like that. And like with this movie, the direct the reason I love the director's cut is about twenty thirty minutes longer, and it gives like it gives closure because he shot so much material that with the mandate time they gave him for the theatrical cut, like, it basically feels like a movie that was unfinished. Like, there was so much stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Um, my number eight is Brazil. Because have you ever seen Brazil, Elliot? The, no, the, I'm the, sad the, to say. Yeah, that's uh, on the well, watch yeah, like, as well. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it's going to be a little spoiler, but I won't say exactly what happens. But in the oh, theatrical cut, is a happy ending. With the director's cut, is a, is a sadder ending. And, um, Dave just saw he he good. The, the sadder ending works better because if you've seen Terry Gilliam movies like The Fisher King, Fear and Loathing in, in Las Vegas, like he his movies have a really dark feel to them. So like this ending felt more true to himself. Um, number seven is The Donner Cut. Everything um, Dave said. Um, number six is, is Watchmen. I love that movie. Like I, I love the theatrical cut. I remember when I saw it in theaters when I went to school on Monday and I saw that so many people hated it. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell did you expect a comic movie to be from the guy that did 300? Like, it wasn't going to be all, you know, glitters and lights and stuff. Like that. It was going to be a very dark and bleak movie. And that's what we got. But then with the with the director's cut, the ultimate cut, not so much because the, all the animated stuff with the director's cut is amazing stuff. It's, like I said before, Justice League, it was, to me, was his best, it was his best movie. And, like, my favorite addition to it was that we got to see how um, the first night out, how he died. I think that scene is so great. Um, number five, um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Everything we said in the podcast. I love the movie. I'm glad he got to finish his vision. I feel every director should. Number four is um, Blade Runner, which any edition is better than the than the theatrical one. I've read how the theatrical looked and everything like that. Like any any the second, third, fourth, fifth. I think that I feel like seven cuts of the movie. I think any of them work better than what, than what I've read the theatrical one has. Uh, number three is going to surprise David because you didn't even have it up at all, but Almost Famous, the bootleg cut. Oh, that yes. Like, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that. that yeah, that was you like, I love the theatrical cut. It's like about two hours. And this one adds like about, it makes it about like 12 or 30 minutes. But I love it because I just love that world. And it's like, even though it's like 30 minutes long and it's a movie about a music band, I feel like the flow of it is still really good. Like to me, that's, that's um, Cameron Crowe's masterpiece. Not Jerry Maguire. Uh, number two is my favorite war movie of all time, Apocalypse Now Redux. So it's like, 
I love everything. Like the fact that they shot that movie for like 16 months, like everything, like he has so much material. So like I've seen the regular theater cut, it's still a classic in his own right, but, but the Redux one adds so much to it. Alrighty, Elliot, what do you got? So my list is a little weird just because, like I said, doing and doing research, I guess I haven't really seen that many director's <laughs> cuts besides like Zack Snyder's and a couple of the lists here. So I guess my list consists of like films that I could think of that kind of enhance the film. And, yeah, you go know, for the, it. The director's cuts made it there. So starting my number 10 is a weird one. Uh, Daredevil. Uh, it has like 30, if I'm not mistaken, like 30, 35 minutes of extra footage. And, and the movie's bad. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the uh, director's cut adds... A little bit more layers to the film. There's less of the Electra love stuff going on. A little bit more character depth yeah, with um, Daredevil. Yeah, so I thought that enhanced the film more so than the theatrical run. Uh, I Am Legend came on my list. Um, I don't think there's much of a huge like add-in to the story besides the ending. The directors could have a much different ending than what we got in the theatrical cut, which alluded to the never, I guess, released the, uh, the uh, I Am Legend sequel cut that was supposed to be set up. But that, that's my number nine. I am, uh, to the shock of David here, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Blade Runner. Um, oh, wow. I understand the legacy of it all, but I am not a fan of that movie. The Final Cut is the much better film, less of the Decker's narration and all that stuff that's in the theatrical cut didn't work for me. But The Final Cut is, is a much better film, but I am uh, a Blade Runner 2049 fanatic. I think that film yeah, is I love, yes, I, it's I, way more superior, but... Maybe that's a podcast for another day because I'm a big sci-fi <laughs> head and I am not a big sci-fi uh, Blade Runner fan. But uh, on to my number Elliot, seven. Elliot, um, quick question. Yeah, yeah. See, see, we're talking about sci-fi in Europe. Have you seen 2001? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, again, sci-fi is – I love it. Uh, Watchmen comes in at my number uh, seven. Uh, like you guys have mentioned, just uh, you know, seeing Zach's uh, many different versions of the film, but you know, the Ultimate Edition really kind of fleshes out the film and just makes it such a more uh, kind of encapsulating uh, experience with that film. Uh, number six for me comes in at Midsummer. Ari Asher's Midsummer, which oh, nice. adds in about – 40, 40 minutes. minutes, I want to say. Yeah, and it's just more of like the cult uh, community and certain scenes that wasn't in a theatrical run of a particular birth scene and some other things that they do in the film, the the, the pregnancy. So there's like a lot of more like just the weirdness that went on with that film. Uh, number five is, is Dr. Sleep, another 40 minutes that adds a little bit more context to the Overwatch, Overlook Hotel, a little bit more of the character development for Danny. So I really kind of enjoyed that element. Uh, number four for me is, uh, and this is kind of a cheat. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, wraps up kind of my list. Is Lord of the Rings, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, two, uh, two Towers, and Return of the King. They all add like almost 30, 40, 50 to an hour worth of uh, more context within the film. Again, the theatrical cuts are, are perfect within themselves, but just living more in that world is something I always love. Uh, and then wrapping up for me is uh, the last two is uh, BVS, which adding more context to the film, uh, like you had mentioned earlier, David, seeing Clark being uh, a journalist, having more fleshed out moments with even though I think Zack Snyder casted all pretty much all his films perfectly miscasting of Lex Luthor, but getting a little bit more context of his plan, setting up, you know, Superman versus Batman uh, and just adding more uh, depth to the film. And then, like you guys had mentioned earlier, Justice League, getting his cut of the film out there just makes uh, his vision come to life. And, Elliot, you're not cheating at all because my number one is actually the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I figured it would be for you. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I there's no way to separate these. Oh, I it's... gave him my number one. Oh, damn. I didn't even have... No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> too much um, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the, uh, the whole trilogy should be together. It's one giant story. But like you said, like they're already perfect movies. 
the extended cuts just make them even better. Like you can't, it, it's it's hard to make perfection better, and I think the extended cuts are so so much better. It's just a very very big task to sit and watch all of them because Return of the King is about five hours, the extended cut, so it adds about an hour. I haven't seen those. Yeah, it's 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 amazing stuff, JC. But it it it's a challenge. The, the runtime always has always scared me. I like it's something I always wanted to do. I just never gotten around to watching the. The, the longer cuts of all three, because I'm like you said, that would literally, you would have to dedicate a whole day to watch them all. Yeah, because like Elliot, like Elliot mentioned, like you don't need to watch them to get the full story. Jackson does a great job of it anyway, but the you just get a f- more complete story. It just like I've, it, it, I think it takes about 13 hours of your day total because this, <laughs> so if you got 13 hours, go for it, buddy. Uh, all right, JC, close it out. What do you got? Um, America. Once upon a time in America, that base. Everything you said is like the the theatrical cut, which I think none of us. I mean, you have we never. That's never been really released except for when it came out in 1984. But that one's 139 minutes, and it makes. Cause have you ever seen that movie? A very a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah very long. But yeah, time remember ago. how that movie is told like a flashback, like we get mm-hmm. in there when he's mm-hmm. old, and we get to like the theatrical cut is 139 minutes, and it's so in chronological order. I feel like. With the flashbacks, it works better, and yes, the, it does. It the does. the director's cut is about an hour and like about two hours more, and like putting it back that style, and um, and adding and adding a lot of like key subplots and motivational scenes that basically you know like when you take away, remember as we've seen with all these directors cuts that like forty five minutes, hour long. When you take away key subplots, they tend to like take away from like certain character motivations. When you add them in, everything all makes sense. Like we've spoken with, with the Snyder Cut. We've spoken with Kingdom of Heaven. Like, uh, like I get it that sometimes subplots get taken out for running time, but it's like these subplots. The, re- the reason we, they sh- the director shot them is because they're very important to making us understand certain things. And Once Upon a Time in America, though the key subplots that we got taken out do such a great job of, especially when it comes to the mafia movies. Yeah, everything I got here. <laughs> yeah, no, you nailed it. Um, yeah, guys. So this is a great list. Uh. Then that wraps up this week's episode. Great discussion on Justice League. Uh, do you guys know when the black and white will be released? I I don't. I know they announced today that the the behind the scenes the doc that they made is coming out today. So I would imagine probably just oh, to keep nice. the conversation going, they're gonna probably roll out like things within like a week, uh, every other week, so they can keep people probably subscribed to HBO Max. So I would imagine probably in the coming weeks we'll probably get that. Nice, smart move on their their part. So, mm-hmm. Elliot, thanks as always. Uh, do you want to plug your your channel? Yeah, no doubt, man. Hey, this is something I always look forward to uh, every month, man. Breaking down films and all that stuff with you guys. So it's always an honor to be here. But yeah, uh, you guys can find me on uh, YouTube, uh, talking about things like the Snyder Cut, talking about the latest movies, uh, you know, TV shows, all that fun stuff, um, as well as you know, getting some of my insight on some of the fan casting, some of the breaking news in the industry. On like, follow me on Twitter at Movie Files Live, on Instagram at Movie Files, and then joining uh, the society. Uh, I joined the. Uh, tiktok about two weeks ago and it's a fun it's it's more than just the dances and all the crazy challenges it's a fun little community over there especially for uh, cinephiles where you can have like little fun little videos you can make about favorite scenes and all that fun stuff but nonetheless you can find me on tiktok as well at movie files and jc do you want to plug your page oh this is um uh follow me i work with the movies i usually post a lot of movie news during the day just not just blockbusters it could be independent movies 
first look posters. I'm do movie reviews on pretty much any other movie. And on Fridays, I do this thing called Forum Film Fridays where I just write reviews for some of my favorite foreign movies and just anything cinephile-wise you can find on my page. All right, great. And then you guys can follow me at Real Talk Inc. All right. Until next week, see you at the Movies Kids. Mm-hmm.